Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, January 23rd, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Hi, my name is Max, and for the past weekend, I have been a degenerate Civ 5 addict. Uh, just one of those open it up and the enti- on a Saturday morning, and next thing I know, it is Sunday night. Uh, but I think your time has been a lot more interesting than me coming back from the Golden State. Yes, uh, the Golden State full of rain, um, but had a fantastic time nonetheless. Highlights are the layout Ultimate Frisbee Tournament on Huntington Beach, uh, hiking in Joshua Tree National Park, and uh, of course the Los Angeles Lakers game against the Sacramento Kings, which I will have some takeaways from later on the podcast. Uh, kind of wishing now I was at Friday's game where the entire Lakers team beefed Shannon Sharp on the sideline. <laughs> Would have been wild to see in person, uh, but really fun to see the Sacramento Kings who are now third in the Western Conference. So really great treat, trip. And uh, I'm looking to do a little bit of hibernation, Max, like you did for Civ Five. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy comes out in exactly mm. two weeks you've been talking COVID. about this game for two years yeah yeah i'm pretty fired up i got all the bells and whistles on this baby uh deluxe pre early access i might change my playstation location to be new zealand so i can get an extra couple hours head start on it you know all the all the good things uh i cannot wait so I mean, we might have another hiatus on the podcast if I just go into, into another uh, downward spiral. But for now, we'll keep things rolling and we will welcome back the podcast and we will be talking about some sports today, some NFL, obviously my Lakers Kings takeaways, and then whatever else tickles our fan- fancy on this one uh, uh, as we have about 30 minutes here running on the clock. So Max... I know you watch plenty of Super Wildcard Weekend, and now that is a little bit out uh, of date, but I am proud of you. I saw the notes in the doc. Why don't you give me your couple highlights here and what you were expecting coming into it this weekend from what you saw last weekend? Well, the number one highlight, without a doubt, was Jacksonville's comeback. Uh, stole my heart, did the play calling by that team uh, just going full send aggressive all the way turning it over going for it like fourth and six fourth and seven in the first half to have like every offensive play callers like or orgy like fantasy wet dream levels of play calling uh come through that fourth and one wide run to gain 20 yards that set them up for position to take it down the field uh, was the cherry of cherries on top. But they did such a fantastic job all second half executing um, that the momentum made it kind of inevitable at that point that that sort of thing was going to come off. And it's just a beautiful thing to see. I think football more than any other game, my brain is very probabilistic in terms of well, the score is this much, the drives in theory take this long, like under these conditions, a comeback is or isn't still possible. Mm -hmm. It's a lot, basketball and hockey, the way scoring is varied and the pace and uh, I guess possession's a thing in basketball. Anywho, it's not quite as mathematical for those sports. And for that reason, 
like our the big Buccaneers comeback at the Super Bowl, however many years ago, didn't excuse me, um, Patriots comeback didn't Somebody. shock me. Yeah, exactly. Because like I could I could still do the math on like if they get stops on their drives and touchdowns on their drives, they can still win this game. Um, at the same time, I did sort of just shut my brain off and have the game in the background for most of the third quarter before looking up and going, oh, man, it's happening. Uh, other than that, it was mostly the parody that really s- surprised me. Other than the Buccaneers and Cowboys game, every game like had a game-deciding drive somewhere in the third or fourth quarter, and it remained competitive up until that point, most of them going into the fourth. Uh, with that in mind, I wasn't sure what to expect. Like if that sort of competition uh recent activity uh was gonna be a benefit going in or if all these quote-unquote top teams struggling with teams where they were relatively bigger favorites that was gonna hurt them uh so that was what i was thinking about and then i think there was a way to watch the games for free but they weren't on tsn and i didn't feel like making a ctv account so I did get them on TSN Direct or whatever the the streaming one is. Saturday and Sunday, I believe so. Yeah. Huh. It was just Sunday that I checked, but I. Oh, interesting. Huh. Canada. I uh, I signed up for a free trial of Fubo TV in in <laughs> in the U.S. so we could watch the games on Saturday, <laughs> and then had to cancel that bad boy before I got hit with a gnarly charge. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chargers, all-time Chargers moment. And along the lines of parody in that Jacksonville comeback, you kind of went into this weekend thinking things were going to be really tight across the board. For the most part, they weren't. Right? Like Jacksonville, a massive win. And I think they were in a winnable game against the Chiefs, who, I mean, obviously never wished for an injury, but it's pretty opportunistic that Patrick Mahomes breaks his ankle essentially on the third drive of the game and and you've got to go up against chad henney who by the way won an afc championship game against the browns a couple of years back but jacksonville at least had a chance at that point um they're in the game and then the jamal agnew fumble there near the end zone really killed them and luckily for jacksonville this season was pretty much gravy and they're gonna get another year stronger with their young core and trevor lawrence is gonna learn from this experience and hopefully be uh, a, a better player next year. I think things really opened up when he started running using his legs. He is a deceptively strong athlete at the quarterback position, very much like Joe Burrow, uh, who we'll talk about in a sec, but tough one for Jacksonville and, and the Chiefs, even without Mahomes, still felt pretty comfortable in this one. Their defense is just so good at getting the job done when it comes down to the playoffs. They don't need to win by a ton, but they always make it seem so easy to just consistently win five straight AFC championship games now for the chiefs. And um, next game. Yeah. Oh, you got just, thoughts there. Oh no. Other wild card moments that kind of slipped my mind at the, at the time, but uh, that defensive player getting the 97 yard fumble return touchdown on the Bengals was pretty ridiculous. And for that to be the game deciding drive all the more. So yeah, massive play. 
because it completely changes the complexion of this playoff picture now as they wouldn't have been in Buffalo and they wouldn't have dominated the Bills. Quite frankly, it was domination. Like, it wasn't a complete blowout, but Buffalo couldn't generate offense and the Bengals took care of business in that second half like they've done all season, right? One of the best defenses in the league at shutting teams down in the second half, not letting them get back into games. They had a massive play last week and they get the game-winning interception uh, and, and a couple of big plays to stop Buffalo on fourth down uh, in, in the fourth quarter. And uh, this Bengals team, time and time again, just plucky. And, and I think they've evolved beyond that to just be a true playoff contender, right? They're trying to go to back-to-back Super Bowls. It's the exact same matchup of last year's AFC Championship game where they went into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs and they want to try and do that again. And because of the confidence that this team has, they're going to do it again. Joe Burrow with an all-time quote after the game uh, when asked about tickets being sold for uh, for the Bills-Chiefs game in Atlanta. And he said, uh, they, they better send those refunds. <laughs> <laughs> He's a brilliant one-liner from the kid. Uh, he's all-time swagger and and a big win for the Bengals. And I just cannot wait for this game next week in Kansas City. Is I actually did totally clock out of football. Is Mahomes definitely out? No, probably. Uh, so I think they have him set as doubtful for now. He wore a walking boot out of the game last weekend. Uh, it's the playoffs. He'll likely play but he won't be 100%. So it'll yeah. be curious to see what he's operating at and how much the commentary crew uh, just praise him as the one true God because that was a little excessive in the commentary <laughs> last week. Anytime he moved two steps to his right, they would freak out about, oh, Patrick Mahomes, have you ever seen an alien with a broken foot move two steps to his left and throw a pass? Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a little much. It was a little much. Well, we're on to the next game here. Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants. And uh, just like the Chiefs getting, they would have had a more convincing win with Mahomes at 100%. Uh, You can tell the buys matter in the NFL. Like the Eagles team was beat up and they, they struggled the last three weeks of the season. And the confidence was low. And then you go into a bye week, Lane Johnson, best one of the best offensive linemen in the league, if not the best, gets healthier. Jalen Hurts gets healthier. And and the Eagles, just fresher team, healed up. They've been really good all year, and now they have that extra time to prep and, and get ready. And, and they lay a beating on the Giants, who a, another team like Jacksonville, this was a gravy season for them. They beat a pretty fraudulent Minnesota Vikings team. Uh, it wasn't a shocking upset by any means, but they go in. And they get stomped down by a team that had already beat them twice in the regular season. And just a tough matchup, tough to play gritty on the road two weeks in a row. And and a pretty convincing win by the Eagles, who now get to play host to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, in a game that, of course, two historic franchises, a lot of hype, a lot of eyeballs on this game. That why That's why it was the Sunday primetime uh, evening game. And it turned out to be not a game for the casual fan with uh, two really, really, really strong defenses going at it. Micah Parsons flying everywhere. Nick Bosa flying everywhere. Fred Warner flying everywhere. Like just defensive making plays on both sides of the ball. Uh, Dak Prescott really struggled moving it. 
Tony Pollard gets hurt and Tony Pollard is maybe their most electric player with the ball in his hands and Cowboys struggled to move the ball and and the Niners were able to get enough out of Brock Purdy he didn't turn over the football which is (laughs) just in a game like this it makes all the difference to at least just be punting and doing field position let your defense get after the after them and uh it gets late Cowboys Throw pick. They're gonna have to burn all their timeouts, get the ball back, and they're in the exact same position as last year, where the clock ran out of the on them as Dak Prescott tried to spike it. Uh, they get a pretty decent out pass to Dalton Schultz, gets called back because he never got the second foot down. Just brutal. Uh, waste all their time, and then they run maybe the worst last play of the game ever. You could see the intent to put the lineman out wide and throw a a bubble screen or something. Get your punt returner in a ton of space with blockers in front but they threw a slant over the middle and he got blown up while ezekiel elliott was put in as the center and got blown up in the pass rush one-on-one just they like sacrificed two dudes uh for nothing and a a poor play call by mccarthy to end the game a a disappointing end to the cowboys season uh and in the san francisco 49ers i love the way they play football and we are going to see two Smash Mouth teams next weekend in the link. So four teams left. One of them is winning the Super Bowl. If you gun your head right now, who would you take? I want Iguodala. No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Gun to the earth. I'm going Cincinnati. Okay. I think their defense has been complete this year. I think Joe Burrow is the best remaining quarterback out of the four just because Mahomes is hurt. Uh, now, the Eagles and 49ers, really, really strong teams. I think they're going to beat each other up next week. And mm-hmm. it, the Bengals are a team who have been in the Super Bowl, have the reps just from last year, uh, and and they, the confidence of this team is at an all-time high. And And I think that's the team... I'm going to go with. I could look very, very silly seven days from now, uh, but that's my pick. You got to go big or go home. Yeah, we've been prepping you all season long with these 50-50 questions. Now 25% chance it's your graduation exam. Yeah, I wonder what the odds are on that. I know uh, Niners-Bengals Super Bowl about a month ago was a 20 to 1. Not bad odds. Yeah. Bad yeah. Odds. That'd be two road teams winning, which I think can happen. Hmm. it's fat the Bengals like looked so bad for so much of that game against the Ravens that I, I think they've looked really good since oh just um, dominated the Bills yeah yeah complete night and day yeah it, like that that's what was so crazy about that fumble recovery was like the Ravens had all the swagger and it got completely stolen uh like the that quarterback was just coming into his own and figuring out how to use his style to like execute that run heavy game and it seems like uh, the Bengals had no answer for it until that like terrible sneak attempt so the Bengals do get the full seven days of rest whereas the Chiefs get an extra day of rest because they played the Saturday and they'll play Mm -hmm. Sunday evening and then the Niners getting seven days and the Eagles getting an extra day of rest. So both of the home teams getting an extra day of rest as well. Something to factor in. Yeah. Uh, when we're making our bets here. Eight days of rest and coming on. It really pays to have the bye. Yep, exactly. 
All right. Um, do you want to give your basketball notes now? Let's do it. Uh, I didn't catch up too much on the rest of the league, but I know things have been kind of swimming along. Deceptive team climbing up the ranks here, the Miami Heat, in addition to the Brooklyn Nets on a, on a bit of a hot streak. And then also in the West, the Clippers have climbed into sixth place, but they are only two games ahead of the Lakers. And I don't know if they've played yet this year. So I think we've got some really fun Clippers-Lakers matches Ooh. matchups on the, on the slate ahead for us. All the superstars with stakes, those are fantastic games, but like those are horrible games right now. I think we're about maybe two not weeks horrible. away from the All-Star break, and uh, it'd be really fun if we get to see AD and LeBron versus Kawhi and Paul George. Just once this season with like some playoff relevancy, please. Exactly. On that note, LeBron James definitely checked off a bucket list item for me. Uh, getting mm-hmm. to see him play in person. Uh, who knows when his last season will be. He's now roughly 10 games away from breaking the all-time scoring record uh, in the history of the NBA, which is pretty mind-blowing. And some takeaways I had from the Kings 115-111 to 111 victory over the Los Angeles Lakers as I sat up in the, the 300 level and at the end of the game, got to chant, light the beam with the rest of the arena. And that went viral on SportsCenter because it has been a while since Sacramento has seen any sort of success. And I'm glad that their fans traveled south uh, on the highway to come to Los Angeles and, and rub it in the Lakers' faces. First thing, super apparent, just as a high-level note, these guys are phenomenal athletes. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it was kind of ridiculous to see how quickly and effortlessly the ball moves and flows with these giants, right? Like they're all six foot two and taller. Some of them six foot ten, dribbling, sprinting, passing behind their back, setting screens, flying around, and somehow not making contact with the nine other bodies on the floor. Uh, it was pretty incredible stuff. So at a high level, just forgot what it's like to watch these incredible athletes operate at the highest level. And then the next piece of it uh, was the differing styles of the two teams. LeBron James has the old man game. Whenever the ball gets to him, everyone stops, and all five Sacramento Kings slowly creep towards him as he waits for the shot clock to, to wind down. Uh, he his shot was on for the first three quarters. Hit a lot of mid range, a lot of jab step threes, um, and then later in the fourth quarter was able to open up the floor a little bit more with some wicked passes. While guys slowly crept forward and kind of lost perspective of where their player was on the floor. Uh, the Lakers got nothing out of their starters. I think they closed with none. Westbrook, Christie, LeBron, and I couldn't even name the last guy. Uh, maybe Patrick Beverly, like not great. <laughs> uh, the Kings didn't have Sabonis, which was a bummer, but we did get to see De'Aaron Fox, who put up 30. Uh, and, and the Sacramento Kings, they struggled to generate some offense without Fox on the floor. In the end, in the fourth, they they did a better job, but uh, second quarter, third quarter, whenever Fox was on the bench, it was just transition buckets for the Lakers. Um, the Lakers bench played well, and uh, 
Terrence Davis didn't get any runs, so they were relying on Malik Monk to create offense as almost a point guard. He couldn't do it. Davion Mitchell couldn't really operate as a point guard. Uh, and whenever Fox was on the floor, the dynamic really shifted and they were able to get some better looks. Um, Mike Brown coached the crap out of the Sacramento Kings. Every single time out, it seemed like he had something really important to say. Everyone gathered around the ball, uh, all heads over the huddle. He's drawn up a play. And then you look over on the Lakers sideline and they were all having a smoke. It felt like no one was gathered around talking plays. They're all just sitting, chatting to each other. 80s cracking a joke or whatever. There's just not the same level of coaching. And Darvin Ham's done a fantastic job since he took over. But uh, it's very obvious the differing styles here. The Kings are a younger team learning. And the Lakers are a lot of more veteran players who don't need every timeout to review every single little thing. But it was a stark contrast. And I think there's maybe some more the Lakers could be doing in between possessions. Speaking of in-between possessions, I think, so here's, put on your tinfoil hat for a second, Max. Okay. I think they're hiring these fans. I think they're hiring professional trick shot artists because the number of half-court shots, three-point shots, money-making shots is up insanely. Just anecdotally, it feels like it's up insanely this year. I've seen at least a dozen different ones made so far this year. We're not even halfway through the season. And this dude, first try, walks it back, lines it up, and just swishes a three from half-court for 70K USD. Yeah, I saw the story. And the crowd went nuts. And I think it's valuable to hire someone, give them a fake check, and get the crowd back into the game by watching a one in a million chance. So there's my conspiracy theory tinfoil hat uh, propaganda of, of today's show. Huh. I mean, if there was a city to do it. Mm-hmm. Showtime. Yeah. So let me know if you think, if, if you're on my side with that, but I'm going to keep spewing this. What We got to come up with a name for it. Huh. we'll stew on that we'll yeah. we'll get there we'll get there we'll bring it back yeah uh small notes here Wenyan gabriel look good but he won't he won't be able to handle any real centers and luckily uh for the lakers the kings didn't have it in that game russell westbrook is like the worst player to watch now in half court offense the mm-hmm. ball goes to him he dribbles it through it's like james harden but instead of step back threes it's middies bricking off the corner of a backboard and uh he still had a great game numbers wise it's just it not very yeah. exciting to watch that, um, that is and he paradox. will win yeah he will win six man of the year but i don't know uh and then it felt like kendrick nunn gave them some good minutes as well uh but it looks like he is on his way out of la as today he got traded with three second round picks for rui hachimura of the washington wizards yeah i kind of funny to reach out to the wizards when i feel like kuzma and uh, hachimura are pretty similar vein of players and they go with the unknown quantity rather than the known quantity but i think hachimura is one of those players who has like just enough talent and upside that you can like have him have him play as a starter 
and have him be like overburdened with the franchise's roles uh once LeBron and AD are gone. Yeah. So. And well, even with LeBron and AD, he'll be exactly that Kuzma role where he'll be asked to just defend a bunch of dudes and knock down threes, right? Mm-hmm. The three and D type. Kuzma, the known quantity, the reason why they don't go for him is because it would have cost them a first-round pick, and I don't think they're willing to pay that uh, because it's so far into the future. But worth to take a swing with the cup with a bunch of second-round picks and Kendrick Nunn, who no one signed last year. Like They, they got him basically just one-year deal for nothing in return the other way, just free agent. So um seems like a worth it deal to at least take a stab at him and who knows if that's the last move that they're gonna make but uh interesting to see that Hachimura joining the the lake show fold all right I think we'll wrap up the podcast with some tennis as we are halfway through the Australian Open on the ATP side uh 120 down eight remaining of the initials were on to the quarterfinals uh, with the first two matches being played today and it has been upset haven uh, very few familiar names uh, remain in this final eight uh, but it, it hasn't been about i mean obviously some players have made it too but it's not been the players getting the upsets really who have made it this far with one exception so our final eight are Karin Kashinov, who will be playing Sebastian Korda at the top of the draw. Uh, so Rafael Nadal getting eliminated in the second round there, who was, of course, at the very top. Uh, I think Mackenzie McDonald, the American who took him out, so he, he does not remain. Sebastian Korda then, who had a big upset, or relatively big, over Daniel Medvedev who had made it to the finals, uh, the last two appearances at this tournament. Uh, that was a tough one to watch, or because Shapovalov got eliminated one match before. He would have played Korda. Instead, it was Hubert Herkaz, the World 10 seed, who also fell to Korda. Below that, we got Stefano Tsitsipas, one of the few remaining recognizable names. He'll play Yuri Lehecka, uh, who took out Felix Auger-Aliassim in the fourth round. Then it gets a lot more familiar uh, three quarters of the way to the bottom where Andrei Rublev will play Novak Djokovic. Uh, Rublev coming off one of the most uh, scripted-looking five-setters you see at a Grand Slam uh, against Holger Rune, who was on a bit of a tear against top 10 players, uh, including a win over Rublev at Paris where the young Danish won his first 1,000-level Masters. Uh, so an interest, a pretty good first slam run for Holger after that breakout end of the season that he had. Uh, nonetheless, Rublev will play Djokovic, where there are some concerns about the health. Um, the injury to the hamstring was more apparent in the early games, I believe, than it's been lately, but this will be Djokovic's biggest test for sure. Rublev never made it past the quarterfinals of a Grand Slam, though. Uh, he just has tends to have enough holes and deficiencies in his game that over five sets, it falls apart somewhere uh, at this high, high level of pressure. So he had an interesting quote after the Rune win saying, I never, normally I never win these types of games. I'm always the one who loses. So we'll see if that gives any confidence to the Russian. 
And then at the bottom of the draw, we've got uh, two Americans, Shelton versus Paul. So three Americans in your final eight, uh, by far the most dominant uh, representation out of the showing, and Taylor Fritz, not one of them among it. Uh, it was Brooksby and McDonald taking out seeds one and two, uh, Rudd and Nadal. So maybe there's a bit of an underground American resurgence into the tennis rankings. Maybe this is just an outlier. Uh, TFO also out. Of course, all that said, Djokovic looking like a big, big favorite to me uh, so far. He hasn't had too many of a grueling match. If he can get through Rublev here, then maybe he sees Sitsi pass, or maybe it's someone in their first Grand Slam on the other side of the final. Shelton and Paul, like he's got to just be in his hotel rooms with his trainers. Like we take care of this leg, we hit 22, and we tie Rafa. Uh, so that looks like that's where that's going on the men's side to me our next podcast will have the wrap up Ooh, i just took a look on the women's side and uh iga swashik out um more numbers next to names but uh the canadians not too doing particularly well in there and uh there's not a lot of context there so i was just checking more for swashik but yeah not many matches like it was the same with the NFL wild cards. Like you kind of blink and then you're like, okay, and that's it. So just three rounds left of tennis in the upcoming week. Uh, all the more significance, the great down under time zone uh, does create a disconnect and make it somewhat hard to follow and like stay really attached when I think every game Djokovic has played so far has been at 3 or 5 a.m. I haven't seen him on at like 7 or 10 p.m. Eastern once. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us pretty close to the end of the show. I don't know if you have any closing notes, Thero. No closing notes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, once again, two weeks away from Hogwarts Legacy. The Gunners sit top of the Premier League. So good times all around over the pond. Uh, and yeah, just vibing here on January 23rd, trying to make it through the winter, you know? Thank you everyone so much for listening. I'm off to craft a naval invasion strategy for the continent Russia has come to dominate. Uh, have a good day all, Sports Next Door, signing out. <laughs>